Hello, City Hope family. Everybody doing good? That was a weak response. It's good to see you this weekend, all the campuses, the families spread across Mobile and Baldwin County. Uh, thank you for being with us. Let me remind you, Merry Christmas, Gulf Coast, just a few weeks away. So be sure to do your part to help bless a family during this time. We've been doing this for years. It's a phenomenal event, one we look forward to every year and thousands of people will be ministered to. So don't forget to sign in and make that commitment. Well, we're in this series called Rooted, and the thought, again, behind this series is what's the root cause of good fruit in our lives and what's the root cause of bad fruit in our lives? In this series, we have and we will continue to discover roots that need to be removed and then roots that need to be planted so that we're constantly planting good roots in our life. This weekend, I want to talk about rejection roots. We're all born with rejection. We all experience it to a certain degree. And here's the reason. is because we're all born rejected by a holy God. Now, that doesn't mean God wanted to reject us as a people. It means that we were born separated from God. We're born with this sense of separation, rejection, abandonment. Even Jesus was born with this sense of rejection. Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 and 3, he, was he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. From birth to death, Jesus was the most rejected human being on earth, but he overcomes it. Well, how do we know that he overcomes it? Because that rejection never affected his decisions rejection never affected the way he treated people and rejection did not affect him from fulfilling God's destiny in his life so we, we can't overstate the importance of the issue of rejection in our lives and and here's why it's because we are created by a loving God who who desires us to love him and love people in fact the fulfillment of the whole Bible is in those two commandments so we, we're created by love to love and because love is our greatest need, then rejection is our greatest fear. Most people fear rejection. You know, if you look at the top ten list of, you know, the fears, the number one fear is public speaking. Uh, what I'm doing right now, more people fear than dying. And the reason is, it's not that you're afraid to speak or not that you have nothing to say. You're afraid of mass rejection. It's one thing for one person to re reject you, but dozens or hundreds is different. Most people listening to me, if I went back into your past, I would find your greatest scars came from rejection. When we develop a root of rejection, it's Satan's number one way to control the way we make decisions, the way we treat people, and how we miss God's will for our lives. So I want to talk about this issue of rejection in our lives and make sure we understand some of the ways people can be rejected. For instance, maybe you were thought of, you thought of yourself as being an unwanted child. You know, you, you were an oops or a mistake or you were not the right gender and maybe even your parents told you, you know, you really weren't wanted, but here you are. Uh, and then children who are adopted are always have to deal with rejection because sooner or later they want to find out what was wrong with them that their parents let them go other ways of experiencing rejection is being 
laughed at or mocked or bullying, lied about, compared, excluded, adultery, divorce, emotional abuse, neglect, not being accepted for who you really are, having to perform to standards, whether it's standards of finances or standards of social life or standards of spiritual life. All of those things are out of your reach. Some deal with rejection because you can't live up to expectations. Or maybe the chronic lack of unemployment or the rejection of friends, premature death, suicide. We all have issues of rejection. If you've been rejected, you can identify, but it's worse if you've developed a root of rejection. Here's why. A root of rejection convinces me that I have been deeply wounded, and this is now a point of control in my life, and I have to deal with it every day because it can compromise my ability to function in life. So I want to look first at unhealthy responses to rejection. Number one, we avoid risk. I've been rejected. I'm not going to be rejected again. I'm not even going to try. I'm going to avoid any of the situations. I, I'm not going to give my heart away. I'm not going to try relationships. I'm not going to befriend people. You realize that God will never use you unless you risk being hurt. And I'm not talking about opening yourself up to people who will abuse or are abusive. I, I'm, I'm just saying that all relationships pose a risk. Jesus had 12 disciples. One of them betrayed him, and even when he turned him in, so to speak, he, he, he didn't close his heart. He called him friend. So we can't live eliminating risk from relationships completely, but we need to be wise. We need to understand. A lot of divorces take place because I'm going to reject you before you reject me. And then there's the rejection of I want to be your friend. I fear you're going to reject me, so I, I'm going to reject you before you reject me. And that keeps me from being hurt by being and becoming the rejecter. So we avoid risk. Number two, we avoid commitment. Because if I never commit, I can't be hurt. Conforming to the environment rather than being myself. So we need to be loving people, but when you're a chameleon, you blend into the environment. And sometimes you do have to express your opinion knowing that you're going to be rejected for it. We avoid risk. We avoid commitment. Thirdly, we, we avoid, we, we store anger. Almost every person feels anger when they have been rejected. It just comes with the territory. Most young people who are antisocial feel rejected by some element of society. Most violent crimes are committed by single men and recently divorced men. Men who feel displaced and rejected. And I know that's the extreme, but I want you to see the point. Most of us become more aggressive when rejected. Anger comes out of the hurt. And, and somebody hurts us, then we, we get angry. And anger is an emotion. And, and listen, we, we're emotional people, and that is part of our makeup. There's nothing wrong with it but not to sin when you're angry. Don't say the wrong thing. Don't do the wrong thing. And, and then don't wait around to deal with that anger because aged anger is called wrath. And there's nothing wrong with today's anger without sin, but yesterday's anger is a problem because that's where the enemy dwells. Because we all know the Bible says be angry and don't sin, and we know that the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath don't get, because that's going to give place to the devil. So when you go to bed on anger, the devil in, interprets people in a wrong way. Your mind, you start thinking about people. You have resentment toward a person. 
and, and, and you're thinking wrong thoughts about that person and you're not seeing them correctly. Even if the person who hurt you will not take responsibility to do anything about it, if you, you've got to forgive them. If not, you keep the door open, you keep the place open for the enemy and he's going to continue to whisper in your mind lies about the person until you believe something wrong about them. And if you have resentment toward a person for a very long time, you're thinking wrong thoughts about that person. You're not seeing them correctly. And then Satan enters through rejection and hurt becomes, rejection and hurt becomes anger, and then he begins to whisper. He begins to talk to our minds. The longer that anger stays, there's more he'll try to get you to say or do the wrong thing. Fear always causes you to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. Faith always causes you to say the right thing and do the right thing. And I believe, personally, I believe we all have wrong messages in our minds until we deal with it. So we avoid risk, we avoid commitment, we store anger, and then we feel hopeless. People who feel rejected have chronic rejection. Do you know they, they, they get sick more than people who feel loved? And, and they die of their diseases because they have nothing to live for. When you are loved, you feel love. When you, you fight for life, it's, it's the basic instinct because you want, you, you want to live with people who love you. When you feel unloved, why live? Th this last week, one of our family members here at City Hope passed away and she had lung cancer. And I was with her a couple uh, nights before she passed away and, 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 and for a couple hours talking and she leaned in and she said, tell me why we fight so hard to live when we know it's better there i said it's the way we're made it's in our will it's, it's it's this drive to live and then when i heard her sons and family talk at the eulogy her eulogy at the, at the funeral i heard how much she was loved she was fighting because she was loved by her husband loved by her kids loved by her grandkids she was fighting when you feel unloved it's like why fight if we don't deal with hurts they go into these areas of our hearts and they stay there until we deal with them properly. It's almost like you got little, little, you know, little pockets, little hurt pockets. And, and, and maybe the, the, the understand the worst thing about a root of rejection is the message in the pain. Maybe our emotions are numb in that area and that message in our minds then starts to control our lives, that message. And then when more hurt comes, more messages accumulate. See, Satan's called the, the accuser of the brethren he he he, he whispers those hurts he he takes opportunity through a rejection if you've been abused you've, you've had failures you've had sickness you there's sin there's trauma there's loss he takes advantage and he uses all the negative circumstances why because he's the prince of darkness and anytime anything dark and painful damages our lives he's always there to whisper in our minds and he will speak something that will inhibit us from doing or responding to what God wants us to do or respond to. The, the devil doesn't have any good plan for your life and anything good for your life, he is an enemy of anything good for your life. What makes him so dangerous though is that he is so stealthy. He doesn't present himself. He doesn't come and just pop up at you. He doesn't ring your doorbell and say, hey, it's Satan, I, I gotta talk to you a little bit. I wanna share some things with you. He comes as a serpent in a stealthy manner plants things in your minds and then we don't know where they come from we don't know where they come from i've had so many people share things with me in their mind and it's like where did that come from why he has two perfect disguises the first disguise that he uses is you and me he embeds thoughts in your minds that we think about ourselves but they're not true 
Thoughts that are diabolical and that are damaging come from the devil. And he uses this as his disguise. And so we start thinking that we're inferior, that we're a mistake, that, you know, this marriage is going to fail too. And then he uses another disguise of God. He appears many times and says to us that he wants us to think that this thought came from God. But those thoughts that come from him are not from God. Now, we all know the story, but let me remind you, in Genesis 3 and verse 1, the serpent was more cunning, stealthy than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? First thing the devil says to a human being is God's word is not true. The reason the devil wants to take the word of God, the word of God away from you, listen, he can't put his thoughts in you until he takes God's thoughts out. That's why he's going to get you to doubt the word. That's why he's going to bring confusion. And if you don't know the word, you don't understand the word, then you're just set up for that because he's going to say, well, that's not true, it's this. And, and, and honestly, I'm telling you, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people, and so many people are confused. Well, I thought the Bible says this. That's why. No, 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 no. You have to know the word. You have to understand the word because he can't put his thoughts in until he takes God's thoughts out. So he wants to disarm your thoughts before he defeats you. So we know in the story, Eve took of the fruit and ate, and so did Adam. Genesis 3, 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Then God asked the question. He never asked a question, you know, for his sake. He asked it for Adam's sake, okay? God created them naked and unashamed, but they fell. As soon as they took the fruit, they died spiritually, instantly. They failed God. And when the failure of their lives came upon them, the enemy, Satan, he's still right there, and he begins to whisper this message. Remember, the first message is, that's not, that God's word is not true. Now they partake, fail, and then he says to them, basically, hey, your naked bodies are dirty and detestable to God, and if anyone sees you this way, they're going to reject you. He basically said, you're defective, something's wrong with you, and here's what that produced. It produced shame. You, you, you hear a lot of this word now, shaming, shaming. Well, this is where it started, right here, okay? So it, it produced shame. Listen to me, listen to me. God created them naked, not nudity like we think in our culture. No, they were naked and their bodies were perfect. They were naked, but they were covered with the glory of God. That's the complete difference. They had the glory of God covering them when they sinned. Spiritually, the glory's left, and now they're naked. And so on the other hand, the devil... Here's how he, he cannot operate in an atmosphere where shamelessness exists. There has to be shame for Satan to change what he wants to change in your lives. So if he can shame you and put you in that state like he did Adam and Eve, now he can start inserting things, whispering things into your mind to get you to think different. Because here's what he wants to do. He wants to, one, he wants to change the way we see and think about ourselves. Your personality, your height, your weight, your age, your gender. You know what that does when you start thinking? About it? it affects your decision-making. Your decision-making is skewed. Secondly, he wants to change the way we interact with others to destroy relationships. How we treat people, how we react to people, how we protect ourselves from people, how we counter people. Thirdly, he wants to change the way we think about God and relate to God. Why? Because he doesn't want us to fulfill our purpose and destiny in God. So Adam and Eve, they bought into this lie. They put fig leaves on their bodies to hide each other, from each other and from God. And, and listen, 
when you're thinking the devil's thoughts, you will never be able to have a right relationship with God. Listen to me, church. I've had so many people tell me, well, this isn't that. The, the word says, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, no, no. If, if you are thinking the enemy's thoughts and compromising the word, you're never going to have a right relationship with God because you've compromised before watch Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God but as soon as the devil shows up whispers the lies here comes rejection here comes shame now they hide from each other marriage and then they hide from God this is what the enemy is after God walks up they're hiding from him they have fig leaves on their bodies and God said who told you were naked God said did you eat from the tree God knows the answers but who, who told them something was wrong with them the devil the hurt whisper you're defected God doesn't love you anymore you're, you're, you're rejected but see I don't think Adam and Eve knew this but did you do you know that God can see through fig leaves <laughs> he knows where you're hiding and he knows there's nothing wrong watch he knows there's nothing wrong with the way God created you but Adam and Eve are under the influence of the lies and they don't even know where the lies came from so God brings it to their awareness. Who said this to you? I didn't say this to you. There's nothing wrong with you. I'm not ashamed of you. The voice of the devil is trying to keep God from doing what he does in our lives. Satan is always trying to keep mankind from their destiny. And because of the hurt, the door opens and the devil's there. And God is trying to talk, but the devil's interrupting. You, you know he wants to interrupt every event in your life to get you to resent someone or to reject God he wants you to resent people he wants you to talk to people he wants you to do the wrong thing when we're hurting we're the most vulnerable to the voice of the devil the the more the hurt pockets filled with pain the unresolved issues he speaks into that place because it's a place of darkness and the more hurt that's there the more messages are there and every time you feel hurt you, you, you didn't know it was the devil and he says things like you're defective you're unlovable yeah see people treat you this way because God's finished with you God doesn't God's not accepting you God's written you off you're done he, he does it to break us so he can implant in us a root of rejection why if there's a root of rejection then he can control us the rest of our lives now he has a stronghold a stronghold is a house of thoughts it's in our minds and then we're convinced we're unlovable we can't do this this must be true and we're never going to be accepted by anyone nor god and people who carry a root of rejection are the most offendable people on the face of the earth and you're also overly dependent on the approval of other people so you become a people pleaser because you want everybody to like you and everybody to accept you and you will do anything to please others so you perform for others to an unhealthy degree you also compromise your standards to win acceptance you you do things you really don't want to do you you wonder what your friends will think if you said no so you're doing things you don't want to do listen every one of us has issues of fear and shame but most of us have scars of rejection so hear me hear me the only cure for rejection is to be accepted by God and the only way you ever be accepted by God if someone confronts you with the truth 
that you need God so you can be healed by his love. This is not status quo to live this way under rejection for all the days of your life. You need to hear the truth that God can heal you by his love. So now let's look at some healthy responses to rejection. Number one, expose to the light. Expose the thoughts that are in the hurt pocket. And the problem is many times we're ashamed of these thoughts. We don't want anybody to know. But you can't hide a thought from God. When you're thinking, God, where were you when this happened? Why did you let this happen? Why is this happening now? And that thought is in a dark place. The enemy uses that to accuse God. I talked about it in the second message in this series, Bitter Roots. He says God doesn't care. God doesn't love you. He doesn't even know who you are. And so that lie sits there, and it keeps you from moving into the arms of God. But when you bring that thought into the light, everything starts to change. Did you hear me? God knows you think that way. He's not ashamed of the way you think because he knows where it came from. But what do we do? We have to take these thoughts captive, bring them into the light, yet some of us don't even know these thoughts are there. We think this is just normal. This is normal living. I've always been this way. Mama's this way. Daddy's this way. It's just normal. That is why our friend, the Holy Spirit, is called the Spirit of Truth because he knows every event in our past He's a master surgeon who's gentle and has a great bedside manner. And all he needs is permission to shine his light on your inner man. And even though the thoughts that you don't even know are there, he will bring those thoughts to the surface and identify them so you can remove those thoughts. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. I have talked to so many people in my life, and sometimes your thoughts, it's your opinion. Your opinion can be wrong, and a lot of times it is. But when those thoughts go against the Word of God, they are not from God. They are against God, and it may be your opinion. It may be passed down to you for generations, but it's still wrong, and you have to change that thought. You have to expose it to the light, the truth, the Word of God. So expose rejection to the light. Number two, expel thoughts that disagree with God's word. The way you know a thought is bad is simply it doesn't agree with God's word. So, so watch. Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Any thought in our mind that the devil erected, we're going to fight to bring it into captivity. The picture of the root word in captivity in the Greek, it means spear point. So I'm putting a spear at the enemy's neck to bring that thought to the obedience of Christ. That word obedience means to listen under. In other words, to bring to the feet of Jesus to listen under his words to what he's saying. I'm sitting at the, now if you're not going to sit at the feet of Jesus, you're not submitted to it. You've got your own thing, you're doing your own thing. But when you become obedient and you fight that thought and you bring it at spear point to sit under the feet of Jesus, you're going to listen to what he has to say. 
So Paul is saying, even though we're walking in a physical body, we don't fight in a physical war, but a spiritual war with spiritual weapons. And I want you to know something. The Word of God, the Bible, can destroy any stronghold the enemy has erected in your mind. But you have to take every thought at spear point and make that thought sit and listen under what Jesus has to say about the issue. And to do that, we have to surrender. And to do that, a lot of people will not do that until all hell's broken loose and everything's falling to the ground it's the last resort but whatever it takes that's what it takes because you have to be set free from those mindsets you have to that thought of fear that the, the grinding thought of failure gloom hopelessness they don't agree with the Word of God so any thought you take captive will take you captive and every bondage is a house of thoughts it's that stronghold so let, let me illustrate it this way and and, and 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 I'll tell you what a doctor told me after the first service Listen, you're not struggling with alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual addictions, with depression, with, with thoughts of suicide. You're struggling with the thoughts in your mind that have taken you captive. All of that other stuff is out on the limbs of the tree. We're talking about the root. You're, 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 the thoughts have taken you captive are in the roots. And when those strongholds in your mind come down, everything changes. When you, when you get to under the feet of Jesus, obedient, and he pulls that root out, I'm telling you, everything in your life changes. It doesn't matter what the addiction and what the issues is. How does that happen? We go into enemy territory, and we make every thought in our minds comply with the Word of God. I'll show you what I mean. When, when Jesus said to Simon Peter, get behind me, he wasn't rejecting Simon Peter. He's rejecting the voice speaking to Peter. Don't put up with the voice any longer. Be violent in your thought about your thoughts. Take them captive. Expose, expel. And then, then you've got to take them to Jesus and see what he says. Let him come, let that come obedient under what he says. And then here's what you do. Thirdly, you express agreement with God's word. You expose the rejection you expel it now you must be in agreement with God's Word in other words you say what God is saying about your life you say and you mean and you believe I'm accepted I'm a child of God you're confessing that I believe that is to be true why Jesus is the high priest of our confession when we speak the Word of God it is the spear that is in the enemy's belly and you know what the enemy wants you to do he wants to treat you like a puppet where you go around and you say, you've seen the ventriloquist, you know, and you, you know the whole deal, right? So he wants to treat you like a puppet where you're saying what he says. I'm a failure. I'm a screw-up. I'm a mistake. I'll never get marriage right. I'll never get the business right. I'll never, I'll never get my kids straight. You're, you're repeating what he says. I guess I'll have this disease because somebody else had it. I guess I'll think like, I guess I'll have it. You just keep saying. He wants you to think and say what he's saying. But listen to me. What I want him to know is, for me, I'm not his mouthpiece. I'm God's mouthpiece. I'm not created to walk around in my life complaining and saying negative things that he says. I'm created to walk around and say what God says I am. I am God's child, for I have been born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God which lives and abides forever. I am forgiven all my sins are washed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm a new creature. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
I'm delivered from the power of darkness and translated into God's kingdom. I'm the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am victorious. I am set free. I am strong in the Lord. I am more than a conqueror. I am joint heirs with Christ. I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I am complete in him. I am alive in him. I am free from condemnation. I'm reconciled in God. Listen, I am firmly rooted, built up, and established in my faith. I am the first fruits among his creation. I am God's good workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I am the beloved of God. I am one in Christ. I am accepted in the beloved. Do you really know what it means to be accepted by God? Because maybe you've never laid your rejection at the cross. Because it's never been identified. And if you're tired of living that way, afraid someone isn't going to accept you or someone's going to reject your ideal, your thoughts, your life. Listen, once you know God loves you and he has accepted you, that changes everything. I'm telling you, once you know, not in your head knowledge, but in your heart, once you know he loves you and he accepts you, just like you are, with the fig leaves and everything, it changes it all. If I went back into your past, I would find the greatest cars come from rejection. A rude rejection is Satan's number one way to control the decisions we make, how we treat people, and to keep us from fulfilling God's destiny. So how does God remove the root of rejection in our life? How do we go from being weak in rejection to being strong and great in faith. Well, in the book of Hebrews, follow this, chapter 11, this faith chapter. One verse says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the stronghold fell down. By faith. The next verse says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish. She lived in a house on the side of the walls in Jericho. It all fell down, but she didn't perish because she believed in God. She helped the spies. You know the whole story. She didn't perish. The next verse gives this, this long list of people who through faith did incredible feats and overcome obstacles. I mean, incredible heroes of the faith. And then in verse 34, the last half, listen to what Hebrews says. Out of weakness, talking about these faith heroes that he just, just read about in verse 32, out of weakness, we're made strong. See, when we think about the Gideons and the Davids and the apostles as being, we think they're strong and they were made stronger. Looks like they came out of the chute full of courage and faith. No, no they didn't. They didn't. God takes the glory by taking that which is weak and making it strong. Just like when God was looking for the weakest guy in Israel in the book of Judges, his name is Gideon. He's looking for the weakest out of the weakest tribe, the weakest family. 
He's afraid. He's afraid of his shadow. He's looking for that weakest to make the strong. He's looking for the weakest in your house. He's looking for the weakest in your family. He's looking for the weakest in our church. So in our weakness, if we come to him with our weakness because of rejection, he will build up your faith so you will begin to take the enemy out that is against you so that you can fulfill your purpose. Israel wasn't fulfilling their purpose in the book of Judges. But what Gideon did and what he went through and how he took 300 men and overcome two enemy camps, it was remarkable, and they came back to God. Now they're starting to get their purpose in order. See, God does it this way so nobody can say, I did this and I did that. But God did. But God set me free. God broke that addiction. God removed the depression, not the pill. God did this. God restored that. God did What does that do? That continually proves his greatness to our family, to our community. God who calls things that are not as though they were looks at us when we're weak and not strong as though we are strong. Then he takes and makes us strong, but he's got to remove the root of rejection to get you to that place. What Gideon went through was the removal of this fear of rejection. He was scared of his own shadow. That's why he was in a wine press threshing wheat. Wine press doesn't have walls. I mean, it has walls, so he's hiding behind something. If he'd been on the wheat threshing, he'd have been out in the open. No, he's hiding. He's afraid of his own shadow. You see, rejection will take you to that place. If rejection is rooted and not removed, it will conquer you. So therefore, you live your whole life with this root of rejection. So the way you correspond with people, treat people, react, it's all defensive. It's all, it's, i, I got to avoid risk commitment. The way you treat people, the, the way you respond to decisions, and then you're missing out on God's will. So how do you know if we've overcome rejection? You're starting to get stronger. And if rejection's not there, your, your decisions are clear. You, you, you treat people openly and honestly and you start being hungry and desirous of God's will and purpose in your life so I'll give you this question then I'm simply going to pray for you what's the Holy Spirit saying to you I don't know I know we don't want to deal with this kind of stuff I know we want the warm fuzzies you know we, we want to laugh and have fun and that, there's a time for that but sometimes we have to look inward Sometimes we have to speak truth so that God's word can identify a lie you've been living and believing all your life. And you are so rejected. And maybe it doesn't show up on your face, but it's in your heart. It's in your decisions. It's how you treat people. You've got this guard up all the time. You don't trust anybody. I'm telling you, I know. I know this spirit of rejection. I've dealt with it in my life. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to deal with it in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, we despise the root of rejection. We despise what the devil's done in our lives and in our families through rejection, through generations. We've lived our lives trying to hide from being defective. And we can't get away from it. It's time to stop hiding. Jesus, we thank you that you're not only our sacrificial lamb, but you're also our scapegoat. And through your death on the cross, our sins can be totally forgiven and our root of rejection totally removed so that we don't have to be ashamed of who we are because in our weakness, we're made strong. And when we come into the light, you don't reject us. You you don't make fun of us. In the light, you heal us. 
You set us free. In the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of rejection. I bind every spirit of shame that's come into our minds and spoken things that are defective and cannot be accepted by you, that are not successful to rise above life, and that we feel sentenced because of our sins and mistakes. We say to you, Satan, right now, that we are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb, and he's carried away our shame and remembers it no more, and he's not ashamed of us. He loves us, and we come today to receive the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and now we have access to you without shame, regardless of the fact that we don't measure up, but by your righteousness, we come before you, and we give you thanks for your grace and your mercy, and we thank you that you despise shame. In Jesus' name and the church, let's give him thanks for mercy and grace in Jesus' name. God bless you.